Good morning, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas with your families this year and that you're all recovering after the hectic Christmas season. So we're online again, but hopefully just for a short period of time. Although we have not been given a mandate not to meet in person, the leadership here at Elam agreed that for this week in particular, we should probably go online. And we're going to reevaluate this each week in January as time goes on. Obviously, we much prefer to meet in person face to face, but because we love and care for each one of you so much, it means that we need to be careful and believe in faith that we're going to see the end of this very soon. So here we are, January 2nd, 2022, a new year. Some of you may not be aware, but it's actually also Pastor John, my father's birthday today. So make sure to send him warm birthday regards. But hey, because it's also a new year, I thought it'd also be a good idea to look back at 2021 and see where we were to see where we are actually going. So if we look back at the messages throughout the year, the general theme that that connects each Sunday message was actually hope and not just empty hope, but the hope that we find in Jesus. And I think the theme that we were going after last year is actually really perfectly illustrated in Ephesians 1 and 18. And it's this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I think our eyes truly had to be enlightened this past year in order to see hope because of all the difficulty we all face in several different ways. Regardless of what we see with our eyes and what we hear with our ears, we have a glorious inheritance despite any momentary affliction. And hope in times of trouble is is actually part of that amazing inheritance. I also think that when the eyes of our heart are enlightened, a personal change occurs in us. I do believe obviously that God does that work, But there also has to be a willingness in us to allow him to change us, which is what I believe is what we're going to aim for in 2022. Transformation. If we are new creations when we are saved, there also has to be new habits, new ways of thinking, new ways of conducting ourselves, new everything. And here's the challenge though. There will be a spiritual battle in your life when you commit your life to transformation, which is why I think it's a good idea to understand exactly what spiritual warfare is so that you're equipped going into this new year. Pastor John actually recorded a message back in the fall and we kind of held on to it and didn't publish it until now. And this is what I want to show you today. So this will be the start. This will be our intro to where we are going this year. So let's commit to change. Let's commit to transformation and understand what is actually happening in the spiritual realm when we commit ourselves to Him. I pray that this message is a blessing to you and I wish you all a very happy new year. Good morning, everyone. We've been studying the weighty subject of spiritual warfare. Everyone experiences the struggle between good and evil. It comes at us from the world, the flesh, and the devil. It is the history of humanity and feels like at times we're in a losing battle. However, the fact is that in Christ, the battle has already been won by the decisive victory of the cross. Unfortunately, as a whole, the church is still fighting evil as if the cross had never happened. We're trying to overcome in our own human strength and missing the power of recognizing that the battle is the Lord's. Paul gives us this insight in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So note, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
and yet our focus as a rule is battling our own flesh, our own fallen human nature, or the world, the corrupted human nature of society as a whole. We're not seeing the big picture. The real enemies are the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. These cannot be defeated by carnal human weapons. Jesus came as a man to defeat these spiritual forces, not to protest against Roman rule of the time or to condemn those caught in sinful acts. He died on the cross to provide us as believers with weapons in the Holy Spirit to overcome just as he did. Before engaging in any form of warfare, we must know who the enemy is. We tend to think that the world and the flesh are our enemies because that is where we experience the conflict between good and evil. We can incorrectly jump to an us and them kind of conclusion that believers are good and unbelievers are evil. However, the breaking news is that we are all still flesh and we are all still part of the world. The fact is that God does not view humanity as his enemies. God still loves the world. That was the motivation for sending Jesus. Flesh is our human nature, but Jesus took on flesh and blood and is flesh and bone forever, forever the Son of Man. He has promised to pour out his spirit on all flesh. That's the level of commitment God has to humanity. He did not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. It is true that the world and the flesh are alienated and hostile to God. The Lord's battle objective, however, is to liberate the world and the flesh from the corruption of evil and to reconcile all humanity to himself. The world and the flesh are victims and pawns of the real enemy, the devil, and his empire of darkness. As believers, we're called to join God's battle to withstand the assaults on our souls and on humanity that come through the gateway of the world and the flesh by recognizing that the true source of conflict is the spiritual realm. Although it is not an arena that we are experienced or comfortable with, we must learn how to do battle in that zone and be able, at the end of the day, to say like David in Psalm 144, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. The book of Daniel is the only book in the Old Testament that gives insight into the spiritual conflict in heavenly places that have a global influence on all of humanity. Toward the end of his life of faithful service to the Lord, Daniel was given prophetic insight to the unfolding script of human drama with the rise and fall of spiritually empowered empires and the climax that will take place at the end of this present age. Along with Jesus' teaching in Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation, we get a view of the bigger picture and the true scope of the battle that will become evident at the end of the age. I believe it is more important now than ever that we learn how to war in the spiritual arena. As there is evidence that we are approaching the end time, that Daniel, Jesus, John, they all spoke about, Mankind is facing global existential threats on so many fronts. Environmental, nuclear war, famine, pandemics, cyber threats, artificial intelligence, terrorism, natural disasters, unusual autoimmune diseases, and a rising threat of chaos and authoritarianism. Global media gives everyone real-time engagement, breeding hopelessness, despair, terror, and anger. All of these calamities are referred to in the biblical references to the end times. The key to warfare in the spiritual zone is the power of the cross. 
and the new law of grace, which includes submitting to the Holy Spirit. The cross is not just the weapon for our personal victory, but sufficiently powerful to tackle the global human dilemmas and save the many. The church's role is more than self-defense. We are here as the body of Christ to destroy the works of the devil. Wars are made up of many battles, but usually with one decisive battle. The war may continue, but victory is assured after the decisive battle. The Lord's endurance of the cross was the decisive battle in the spiritual war for the soul of humanity. It guarantees our victory. Here is why. First, as promised Adam and Eve, Jesus crushed the serpent's head on the cross. That means Jesus crushed the devil's right to rule as well as his means of ruling over mankind. In the upper room, Jesus told his disciples, the devil has nothing in me. The cross took away the devil's right to rule over all of humanity. The devil's primary objective in the war is to prevent man from fulfilling God's original plan of human partnership in dominion over the created realm. Until the cross, it looked like a slam dunk. All humanity, even the heroes of faith, had sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every human would therefore die and face eternal judgment. But now, not every human. One human, Jesus Christ, was sinless and did not fall short of the glory of God. Though he bore our sins and died, he rose again, ascended, and is now seated at the right hand of majesty. Hallelujah. That is the place of ultimate authority. Jesus won the right to rule as a man over humanity. He was the counterexample that defeated the general rule that all humanity was guilty of sin and worthy of God's condemnation. Now the devil can never achieve his objective of sabotaging God's plan of partnership with humanity because of Jesus and magnificent new rule of his grace. The cross takes away the devil's means of ruling over humanity. That is his power. The foundation of the devil's power to control is fear. The cross was the ultimate instrument of control by fear. Execution by crucifixion unleashed the full force of human atrocity, oppression, and injustice, as well as the unimpeded wickedness. Jesus did not succumb to the devil's methods. He yielded to suffering, became obedient, even unto the death on the cross, and descended into hell without being intimidated or alienated from faith in his Father. The devil's most powerful weapon against humanity failed with this man, and in fact it backfired. One man disarmed the devil and his administration, making an open show of the defeat. The Riverstone found the giant's head. Perfect love cast out fear. Thirdly, the cross proved that Jesus is the legitimate substitute for our eternal death sentence. Substitutional sacrifice was introduced as a legal instrument when an animal was killed to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness. But there's more to the cross than meets the eye. Jesus offered himself up through the eternal spirit. He was not a substitute for our natural death, but rather our eternal spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God, the author of life. Remember how Elijah challenged the idolatrous priest by his sacrifice that was consumed by fire from heaven? Fire from heaven was proof that the sacrifice had been accepted by God. The eternal spirit is the holy fire that received Jesus as an acceptable sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was declared by the spirit of holiness to be the son of God with power 
attested by his resurrection. His resurrection demonstrated the refining power of the eternal spirit, the holy fire that can transform the human body from perishable to imperishable. Because he bore our judgment, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will raise us up as well. The cross also helps our here and now battle with evil. The cross opened a new and living way of escape from corruption and is the route for many more sons. The war is not over, but the objective of preserving humanity for eternity has been met. There is a man in glory. His objective now is to bring many more sons to glory by leading us in his triumph. Each of the outcomes of the decisive battle Jesus won paves the way for us to follow. Jesus weaponized the cross and equips every believer with its power to overcome the devil and the powers of wickedness in heavenly places, just as he did. Whatever happens on earth, our eternal existence is now guaranteed. The devil has already lost the war. We are battling for planet earth from a position of assured victory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son because of your great love for us to redeem us and to reconcile us to yourself. Jesus, thank you for the cross where you defeated our mortal enemy, Satan, on behalf of all mankind. You have disarmed him and neutralized his power to impose fear on us. We realize that you have kept us here on earth to partner with your victory over evil and sent your Holy Spirit so that you would be with us even to the end of the age so that we may fulfill that purpose. I ask you to bring further revelation and discernment that we might recognize the true nature of our spiritual warfare and how to engage the power of the cross. Lord, train my hands for battle. Train my fingers for war. Holy Spirit, teach us how to do battle effectively in the spiritual arena with your mighty weapons to tear down strongholds and with prayer and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When times become more perilous, draw us nearer to yourself. Let faith arise, give hope that can be communicated, and let your love flow from us that the many will be drawn to you, the only hope of salvation. This we ask in the glorious and wonderful, powerful name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. God bless you.